Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. It is Monday, May 29th, Memorial Day, here in California, Central California, and across the United States of America. Very happy to be joining you live today on this special day where we honor all those men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our families, for our nation. And it's really just kind of a somber day to kind of remember and be reflective and relevant, but at the same time to also have hope. And for those of you who don't know the difference, and I, I'm a kind of a little ashamed to admit that I didn't used to know really the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day, but Veterans Day is the holiday where we celebrate and honor our living veterans, and Memorial Day is where we remember those who died in the service to our country. So a very, very happy Memorial Day to all those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, a very happy Memorial Day to those families who are Gold Star families who lost members of their family defending our freedoms. And when we talk about the things that California Family Council supports and defends, the sanctity of human life, the importance of family and marriage, and the right to religious liberty, all of those things are only possible in the United States because of the sacrifice of our veterans, the sacrifice of those who have stepped up and above and beyond the call of duty. And as difficult as things are here in California, folks, whenever we're talking about the political situations or different bills that are coming, and we'll get to one or two of those today, but I think it's really important for us to always keep things in perspective and remember that we, relatively speaking, compared to almost anyone else in the entire world, world in the entire history of humanity, we really have it easy. And the things that we get to battle over and discuss and debate are, are really kind of small potatoes when you consider the, the ultimate sacrifice that so many men and women have made throughout the year. So to all of you out there who are in any way involved or committed to our military, thank you. God bless you. And we appreciate your service. Speaking of our nation's founding and our history, we actually have a special guest with us on the phone today or on Skype, Pastor Jim Franklin from Cornerstone Church here in Fresno, California. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Glad to, Jonathan. Glad to. As uh, many people know, if they're listening locally, they know that I just was able to join you on your show here on AM 1680, The Answer. But for those listening around the state that maybe are not familiar with 1680, they're especially not familiar with you and Cornerstone Church, uh, just give them a little bit of bio on you and what you and your wife, Cindy, and your great family do there at Cornerstone Church here in Fresno. We've been pastoring here in uh, Fresno for 23 years. The church is located right downtown Fresno in the historic Wilson Theater. It's a great privilege that the building was built in 1926. It's the oldest existing uh, theater uh, here in Fresno that is still in continual use, and we're happy to host all types of events there at the theater. The church is very active in the community, reaching out to help to meet some of the needs of the community uh, involved in youth violence. Uh, we have a strong gang outreach and also a very strong feeding program where we feed thousands of people on a regular basis uh, through Feeding Fresno. So those are just some of the things that we're, we're actively involved in. Well, and at some point, we really should get you back on the show to talk about the way that I think Cornerstone has really set a good example and a good model for how churches can engage with their communities on some of these contentious social issues. I know we don't really have enough time today to get into all the controversy that you and your congregation had to contend with during the Proposition 8 battle, but folks, just suffice it to say, I I really respect Pastor Jim and his wife, Cindy, uh, and their children, uh, Jessica, Nate, and James. They really have done a good job of modeling a Christ-like example of cultural engagement. They show how you can be 
a conservative and how you can be a follower of Jesus but not be angry about it. <laughs> and I, I appreciate that. So it's it's really great to have Jim with us. But the reason I wanted him to stay over and before I let him get back to his family who is waiting anxiously for him to go do all the dad and grandpa stuff that normally happens on Memorial Day. Uh, Jim, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the great event that you and I both got to attend. Our good friend, Pastor Jim Doman, he used to work with us at California Family Council, and he is now the founder of a great new organization called Church United. And you and I got to go back with Jim and over 150 other California pastors to our nation's capital last week. You know, it really was a great time and an exciting time. We were with uh, Jim last year when he first did this and had a small contingent of, of pastors that went back. Very impactful, very important. But to see how that then uh, began to grow to where now over 150 pastors went back and, and visited with legislatures, uh, met with uh, members of Congress, uh, heard about what is happening, the Heritage Foundation to give us an update on many of the things that are impacting the church and impacting the citizens of this nation, especially when it comes to our, our religious freedoms, uh, and, and to join together there at the nation's capital. You can't beat a place like that. It really was, and, and I, I commend uh, Pastor Doman for what he is doing and the vision that he has. Well, absolutely. And I was encouraged as well because the last two years, I think, you and I have gone back to the Watchman on the Wall conference with Family Research Council and that's a great event. I mean, we really appreciate our friends at FRC and the good work they do across the country. But this was really unique. This was a little different than any other conference that I've been to because it was so focused just on our state of California and the fact that obviously the whole nation has challenges, but you and I know there are a lot of very specific and unique challenges in California. So what would you say the difference was between being in that the large group setting with pastors from across the country versus kind of this smaller, more intimate group of brothers and sisters from just our state of California? Well, I, I think you hit it right on the nail is the fact that it's uh, centered on California. When you, when you go to these conferences, and, and you attend a lot more than, than I do, but when you go to these, they're nationwide, and, and you hear people talk about what's happening in Texas or Oklahoma or other parts, and, and there's just that feeling in the back of your brain that says, yeah, but I live in California, and like it's <laughs> right. not going to happen here. So when you can center in on California, as we did at this conference, I think it was it was very optimistic because it lets you know, A, you're not alone in this struggle and that there are people that are like-minded in wanting to see California turn around. And then I think the positive thing about this, and I, I, I shudder at quoting Gavin Newsom, but uh, as he once said, as goes California, so goes the rest of the nation, then it really tells you that if we can change California and the direction that California is going – then it can have an impact on the entire nation in, in such a uh, uh, such an important way. So I think that was one of the things that, that I took away from this event was the optimism of, you know, I think things can change. We heard from state senators from Sacramento that came out and joined us, and, and I went away with a feeling of, you know what, we might be able to do this. Yeah, and that, I think, was the other great bit of news. A lot of times, again, in California, we can get discouraged by seeing the – uphill battle that we have here. 
And I think it's not maybe coincidental that this event happened right before Memorial Day. And it was a good reminder for us. You and I had the privilege of, after the conference was over, we had the privilege of walking around to some of the memorials in our nation's capital. We got to visit the Lincoln Memorial, the Martin Luther King Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial. But on that road, we were talking about this the last segment on your show. We kind of by coincidence ended up passing by the Korean War Memorial. And man, I, I don't know about you, but that was just a real sobering reminder for the fact that a lot of these squabbles and things that we talk about, I mean, they're real. We, we certainly don't need to lose sight of the fact that we need to stand up and people of faith and conscience need to engage the culture on these issues. But if we ever get discouraged, you just think about those men and women across our nation that have gone and enlisted or have been drafted into Korea or Vietnam or the Gulf War or Afghanistan. I mean, relatively speaking, we're a very strong, resilient people, and we really can take courage and confidence from the sacrifice that we've seen, especially remembering this weekend. I think that we've got to also, because we always we always tell our children to thank the veteran. And I, I do every opportunity I can that when I see a veteran or they self-identify that way, to thank them for their service. But I think in light of Memorial Day that we need to take it that one step further and explain to our children and our children's children, this is why we thank them. And to really drill down on that ultimate sacrifice that has been paid by so many, that the freedoms that we have came at a price and that's why they need to be protected and that's why we need to celebrate them but we need to obviously stop and remember those who paid that ultimate price for our liberties oh absolutely well jim i want to make sure i let you get to a uh, well-deserved day off with your family and i know you have another big event Uh, your daughter jessica is getting married in just a few days We've got a big event that is coming up that we're very excited about. Well, that is very exciting. Where can people find out more about the work that you and your wife, Pastor Cindy, and your great family is doing there at Cornerstone Church? They can go to cornerstonefresno.com. That's cornerstonefresno.com or the radio program that that I host here in the Valley, jimfranklinlive.com. And uh, you can get all the information there at either one of those websites. Well, folks, one of these days, I I keep teasing him, but one of these days you may even be able to hear Pastor Jim on a podcast like us. So (laughs) if if he ever gets the podcast up and running, we will make sure to cross-post that so you can listen to him. He he hosts a daily show here in Central California. Really a great job informing our our city and our region. Uh, Pastor Jim, thanks for being with us today. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day to you and your family, and good luck with that wedding on Thursday. Thank you, Jonathan, for all the great work that California Family Council does. We'll be back, folks, here on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. It is Jonathan Keller, your host. I'm the president of California Family Council. Happy to be with you today on this Memorial Day, Monday, May 29th. And again, if you missed our first segment with Pastor Jim Franklin, a very special thank you to all the men and women who have made the ultimate sacrifice in serving our country. And a special thank you to those who are wearing the uniform today that are deployed all around the world. Thank you for serving the country. Thank you for defending our freedoms and our Bill of Rights. And thank you for especially defending our first freedom, uh, the right to the freedom of religion, the right to the freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press. And 
that's actually something that is under assault today. I don't want to get too political about things, but on Memorial Day, I think it is important to remember why so many people have fought and died. And it is for all of our amendments, but it's especially, I think, for the First Amendment. And that's one of those amendments that I think is really under assault, sadly, on many places around the country, and especially, ironically of all places, on college campuses. If you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, you know that we have had several attorneys on and several other people talking about the threats to free speech on college campus. We had Alliance Defending Freedom attorney Casey Maddox on a few weeks ago talking about the lawsuit at Fresno State. We played you the audio of Professor Thatcher on uh, campus that was trying to erase the rights of students. We talked last week, I guess it was, with Tyson Langhofer talking about Cal State San Marcos and the threats to free speech there. And following up on that, we're happy this week to be joined by Nathan Apodoca, and he is the president of the Students for Life Club at CSU San Marcos. Nathan, thanks for joining us today. Jonathan, great to be with you. And I apologize. I, I'm i trying to get your name right, but I appreciate you being gracious with me. So <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you, you have been there with Students for Life of America as the president of the club. I know it's a volunteer club. It's not a paid position. But tell us a little bit about you, how you got involved in the pro-life movement, and why your club is kind of at the center of this growing national controversy over the free speech rights of both pro-life clubs, but also all clubs on college campuses. Yeah, so we I started the pro-life club at Palomar Community College, which is also in San Marcos, California. I started that there about a year and a half ago and transferred to California State University, San Marcos, uh, the following semester, became the treasurer, vice president there, and then took over that group last semester when the president uh, transferred out to another school. So I've been there as the president for almost about a year now, and we've been trying to make the case for life on the college campus, but also be a resource to those who may be considering abortion or maybe have had an abortion. We really want to reach out to them as well. And I think that's really key that you guys are pointing out the fact that you're not just trying to shout and scream and make a political statement, but you guys have an active presence on campus, like you said, trying to meet needs of students. You're trying to improve the lives of students on campus who want to sincerely parent their children. They want to do what's best for their families, their future families, but at the same time, they want to continue their education. So what was the whole controversy here? I mean, it seems like that would be a pretty non-controversial message. It seems like that's something that even our friends on the left, you know, people of goodwill, we might disagree on policy, but that seems like something we could get behind. Why in the world are you guys at the center of this national controversy with this new lawsuit? Well, partially what happened was we were trying to bring in a speaker, Dr. Mike Adams, to present the pro-life point of view in a way that is both winsome and engaging, but also is persuasive. He was going to give a talk on abortion and human equality, uh, scientific and philosophical defense of the pro-life view. Well, we found out that Cal State San Marcos, pretty much through their funding, we all pay student activity fees every semester. Every student pays these. And it recently went up from $50 to $75 last semester. The ASI, student government, voted on that. Well, we found out where the money's going is that Cal State San Marcos favors one viewpoint over all others and allocates over one quarter of a million dollars in the student fees they've collected to advance that viewpoint while limiting more than 100 other student groups of access up to $500 per semester. 
and it's all sorts of student groups, political clubs, religious clubs, even fraternities and sororities all under, fall under these guidelines. But the school student government has set up centers, and they get hundreds of thousands of dollars to advance their viewpoint. So it's outrageous that they're really doing this. It really is, and in a sense, it kind of reminds me, in a way, of the Little Sisters of the Poor debate. We, you know, I talked about this with your attorney, Tyson Langhofer, along with Casey Maddox. The idea that the government would enact essentially a tax on one group of people, and then they would use that directly to – they would use that mandatory tax, that confiscatory tax to – pay for services that are not just general welfare, general benefit services, but directly opposing services that violate the religious freedom and the conscience rights of the students that they're taking the money from. I mean, it really is kind of outrageous. And it sounds like you guys have a pretty good case because of the inequity and the the clear viewpoint discrimination against Professor Mike Adams. Oh, yeah, it's definitely true. It's very ironic. Because Cal State San Marcos, while they're doing this, they're also touting themselves as a community that values individual and cultural diversity and respects multiple perspectives, but they're not practicing what they preach. And it's really outrageous for any university to force students to promote the viewpoints, to pay to promote the viewpoints they disagree with, while at the same time denying students the right to the same resources to present their own views. And that's what Cal State San Marcos is doing. Well, and it sounds like you guys obviously have a very good case legally. What are the next steps, and what has been so far the response from maybe some of the other students on campus? Well, a lot of the students that I have talked to who attend Cal State San Marcos fully support the case that's going on. I've received a lot of really great support from students at Cal State and also other public universities in California. For instance, I've talked to other student groups on campus, and they're outraged by what ASI is doing Groups that aren't even political have mentioned, they go, ASI is just, they're really spending all this money to promote these viewpoints, but they're throwing everybody else under the bus and letting them scrape what's at the bottom of the pot. Hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I really think it is. And I sincerely hope that you guys are going to be able to get both Professor Mike Adams and then other professors or other guest speakers to come and speak. I have a feeling if ADF's track record of winning lawsuits uh, holds true, you guys may be able to pay for uh, many speakers over the next several months or years coming out to Cal State San Marcos. So it's it's a I think it's a great opportunity for Students for Life of America to continue to stand up. It's a great opportunity for your club uh, specifically. But on a broader sense, I think it's really important for us in California to remember, sometimes I think we can feel discouraged. You have a legislature in Sacramento that is so aggressive in going after people of faith, so aggressive in, I don't use this word lightly, but legitimately persecuting people who are pro-life, forcing them to pay for abortions in their health care plans, forcing even churches to pay for abortions, forcing students there at Cal State San Marcos and at Fresno State to pay for and promote messages they disagree with while denying them the opportunity to promote their own messages, and then forcing even pregnancy care centers, like we know with AB 775, the Reproductive Fact Act, forcing pregnancy care centers to refer for and promote state-funded abortion services. When we look at all of that, it can be discouraging, and yet, Nathan, I really appreciate you and the students at Fresno State, Bernadette Tacey, and other students that are working with Students for Life across California to remind our, our friends on the left side of the aisle, and I think many of them, they're not rotten, as, as Hugh Hewitt likes to say on his radio show, they're not rotten, they're just wrong. I think it's important for us to remind them that we can have these debates, but the First Amendment still applies even to the deep blue state of California. Yeah, exactly. And I really think the First Amendment is how we 
can reach out to people on the other side of the aisle and really promote that cultural and ideological diversity and engage on those ideas. I think that when one group is only one group is allowed to basically create a seller's market of a single ideology instead of a marketplace of ideas, I think everybody suffers, not just people on one side of the political aisle, but everybody, because basically we're alienating each other. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I think more speech, more freedom, more dialogue and discussion is good for everybody. And uh, that's why I think it's really important that we we support Nathan and Students for Life of America and Alliance Defending Freedom in their efforts to bring more of that to our campuses. Nathan, thanks for being with us. Where can people find you if they want to know more information about your case or you personally? Uh, Look us up on Facebook, Students for Life at CSUSM. Uh, We post on there a lot of updates about the case. Um, Also, you can find me on Facebook, Nathan Apodaca. Um, And pretty much that way, also talk to Alliance Defending Freedom if you want to know more about what's going on. Awesome. Nathan, thanks so much. We'll be back on Life, Family, Liberty. Thanks again for joining us today on Life, Family, Liberty, the regular weekly podcast and radio show of California Family Council. Man, Nathan is a very impressive individual. Just talking with him a little bit off air, he's a very uh, smart guy, and I'm very happy that he is there in San Marcos fighting to defend liberty. And it's just a good reminder, folks. I know we've been kind of hitting this for the last several weeks, but it, it really needs to be said that the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of um, association and assembly applies not only to protesters in Berkeley. It doesn't only apply to people who are on the National Mall who want to discuss these different issues. It applies to even pro-life students at a California state university in Central California. And we've been talking about that, but I want to shift focus a little bit to another type of freedom, another thing that's affecting the sanctity of human life. We are joined on the phone by my good friend and occasional co-host, John Girardi from Right to Life of Central California. John, happy Memorial Day to you. Happy Memorial Day to you, Jonathan. I I know you just have been traveling a lot, too. You weren't back with me in D.C. this time, but you just got back from Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine was getting ordained a priest, so I went out there for that. It was was a really nice thing to see. Awesome. My old college buddies. Oh, good. Well, I can tell you, I know from... uh, Talking to some other people when I was back in D.C., the the whole issue of uh, vocations and the need for strong people who defend uh, you know traditional values are necessary everywhere, and especially in the priesthood and the pastorate. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And this is a particular order, uh, Catholic uh, order of priests, who are particularly pro-life and particularly strong on a lot of these social issues. So uh, I was really pleased to see my friend get ordained, and hopefully he'll have good. 50, 60 years of service to, to God. So. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I wanted to shift a little bit. We've been talking, I don't know if you got to hear our first segment, but Pastor Jim Franklin was with us talking about our trip back with pastors to Memorial Day, talk, talked about all of that and what's happening mm-hmm. back in D.C. Uh, we also talked in the last segment with Nathan Apodoca from uh, Cal State San Marcos, talking about what his club is doing to defend free speech. But mm-hmm. shifting a little bit, there is really an issue 
I don't want to oversell this, but it really is an issue of life and death with this new bill from Senator Pan, SB 481. You talked about it on Right to Life Radio last week, and I thought it was so important that we get you on so people know what's happening and know why, even on a Memorial Day weekend when we're remembering people's sacrifice and we're remembering good things, we have to be vigilant when it comes to bills like this. Yeah, Senator Pan's bill, SB 481, Senate Bill 481, I think is now through the California State Senate. It's going on to the State Assembly. Basically what the bill does is for for persons who do not have a next of kin to make medical decisions for them in the event that they're deemed medically incompetent. So uh, an idea is maybe uh, an elderly widow whose husband has died who maybe doesn't have children, if she is medically incompetent, who can make decisions about withdrawal of treatment for her. And certainly uh, we don't think any withdrawal of treatment is necessarily evil. You know, if someone's obviously dying from horrible cancer and is on a dialysis machine, and you remove some treatments that are merely extending death rather than prolonging life, and you just let nature take its course, I think that's been upheld as medically ethical for the last 2,000 years of Christianity and the 2,000 years of uh, medical ethics that have gone hand-in-hand with it. What we're talking about, though, is a serious problem in California and in other states where people are withdrawing nutrition and hydration, which in almost every case is kind of basic, normal care that everyone needs. And hospitals have, I mean, I don't want to disparage everyone who works at hospitals. They, they, obviously, most people there care very deeply and want to help their patients. But there is a kind of financial interest at stake for hospitals that they don't want to have patients prolonging, prolonging, prolonging visits because there's a financial disincentive. Obviously, much more expensive for patients to continue living. And there have been some very bad instances in California and across the country of patients having nutrition and hydration withdrawn, leading to a premature death and a premature, very horrible death. One thinks of Terry Schiavo, for instance, back in Florida. Right. Uh, she had obviously some serious brain problems, but was otherwise healthy as a horse. And when nutrition and hydration were removed, she obviously died, and she died of an excruciatingly horrible mm-hmm. death. And folks, just and to understand, what, if, if and, you've forgotten about this from 2005, uh, 2005, I think was they started in 2004, and then I think did she had finally yeah, pass yeah. away in in o. Oh five. Yeah, think. I think it was like February of oh five. Yeah. Um, she literally was over seventeen days. She was starved to death. She was withheld everything from food. Starved and dehydrated. And one one of the most chilling, horrific statements I remember hearing was that Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life, when he went in to basically give her last rites, he noticed that she was laying here in bed, looking, you know, horrified that she was being unable to communicate, but she was not even allowed to have water, and yet the vase of flowers sitting on the table next to her had water in it. And it it was just, I mean, it it makes my skin crawl just even thinking about that 12 years later. And what Senator Pan's bill does that is so distressing is that without any sort of outside third-party interaction, if you have the hospital can, A, deem someone medically incompetent, and then if there's no other legal person legally able to make healthcare decisions for that person, they can also make the decision to withdraw basic care. There's no sort of safeguard. There's no sort of third party. There's no sort of ethical 
watchdog over it, the hospital could potentially act as a judge, jury, and hopefully not, but possibly executioner. So that's the real danger of Senator Pan's bill. It doesn't have safeguards for patients like a Terry Schiavo who don't have someone to help them make medical decisions. Well, this is obviously a very, very serious bill. John, I know we're a little pressed for time today, but where can people find out? I know you did an extended dive on this for Right to Life Radio. Where can people find out more about you and the great work you're doing here in Central California and on issues like this? They're, they're obviously applicable to the whole state. Yeah. Uh, go to righttolifeca.org. That's our website. Uh, our top sort of blog article is about this bill. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash righttolifeca or Twitter, twitter.com slash right to life VA. Uh, you can find our podcast over uh, Right to Life Radio. Just search Right to Life Radio uh, on iTunes and you'll find it. We, we talked about it extensively last week. So. Awesome. Uh, well, John, thank you so much for being with us. And I hope you have a wonderful day with your lovely wife, Holly, your two girls. Uh, t- tell your parents who are both veterans, uh, thanks for their service. And folks, we'll be back here on Life, Family, Liberty. Good to be back with you here on Life, Family, Liberty from California Family Council. It's been a really good show today, and we talked a little bit of politics in the last segment, talking about an important Senate bill that's going through. But I want to really keep the focus today on Memorial Day and on the importance of the sacrifice that so many people have made in our nation and the way that that impacts the work we do here at California Family Council. And on that note, I'm really happy to be joined by my good friend and our California Family Council DC correspondent, Joshua Denton, who is actually coming to us from inside the belly of the beast. He's in the Beltway. Joshua, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on the show today, Jonathan. Well, Josh, you wear a lot of different hats. I want to give people a chance to hear your brief bio, but before you started with CFC, I know you've been writing for us and doing some reporting for us for the last about six to six to nine months. Give us a little bit of your background and how you uh, how you got to your current position where you're at. Yeah, so one of my passions is writing, and it's just a talent that I guess God has given me with just the ability to communicate through that medium. And so um, I've done a lot of writing for various publications, especially pro-life organizations and publications, and so have have done a lot of writing, especially for organizations that were actually like started out in California, and such as Live Action News. So um, that's what has kept me busy up until where I am right now, working with uh, with you guys at California Family Council. And you've had the privilege of working, I know, with some of our other great family policy groups, uh, a short stint with the Indiana Family Institute and Wisconsin Family Action. And now you're working also kind of on the side with uh, the National Religious Broadcasters, correct? That is correct. I just recently started with them in uh, around March. Awesome. Well, they do some wonderful work, and I know they're they're big supporters of the issues we care about. Uh, but I wanted to have you on today specifically. You've written a lot of articles, and I apologize. I should have had you on much earlier than now to discuss one of these articles you've written. But the one you wrote today I think was really unique. Uh, you actually published it last week, and it really stuck out to me. I really thought it was important for us to highlight. And the title of it, if you go to our website, CaliforniaFamily.org, uh, it says, This Memorial Day, Don't Forget About Our Heroic Military Chaplains. So, Tell us a little bit about that article you wrote and why it's so important we remember those those faith leaders that have served in our military. Right. So many people sadly don't know about the real meaning or slash purpose of Memorial Day. Oftentimes, they'll get it confused with Armed Forces Day or Veterans Day and think that's it, that it's about celebrating our troops, when really it's about honoring those 
uh, members of the armed forces who fought and died in service to the United States. So it's about honoring those who are no longer with us, who paid the ultimate sacrifice while protecting the United States. And then even worse, rather than getting it confused with Veterans Day or something like that, to a lot of people, Memorial Day, you know, may serve as like the official kickoff for summer celebrations, plans for endless hours in the sun at the beach or at cookouts. Um, but it's, it's really important to remember the reason why, you know, we engage in these festivities that all of us have engaged in. I myself plan on going to a cookout later today, but at the same time, it's really important to remember not just those people, members of the armed forces who have fought and, you know, died in service to the United States, but also to remember an, an often overlooked group when we are remembering those who have fallen. And, and that group is military chaplains. And to be honest, I had not looked into this area all that much, but I think it's improving under the Trump administration. But under the Obama administration, uh, we saw a lot of attacks on military chaplains and just religious freedom in the military in general. Uh, and so that got me thinking, this is a group, our, our military chaplains are a group that don't receive enough praise, and when it comes to paying the ultimate sacrifice, this, these are some of the, the most heroic members of our armed services, because a lot of them, you know, uh, have gone into fire unarmed with the sole purpose of ministering to the spiritual and, and physical needs also of other of the other members of the armed forces who are actually, you know... Uh, the battles and things like that. So the the I guess if you could uh, take the premise of the article and, and put it into one sentence, it would be that religious religious history is an important part of our military, um, and it's an, a very important part of our nation's history, even when it comes to Memorial Day. So the the purpose of the article is you know it highlights several different stories of you know chaplains who pay the ultimate price while serving throughout the, the various wars that we've engaged in, starting clear back with the Civil War, which is when Memorial Day kind of began to be officially celebrated. So that's, that's just the nutshell. Like, the, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about religious freedom, among other things, like I, I mentioned, you know, the pro-life community and things like that. But it's, it's really important uh, that, we, that we don't neglect uh, the our heroic military chaplains on Memorial Day. So that, that's why I wrote the article. Awesome. Well, and it really is a great article. Uh, Josh, we've just got about 20 seconds here, but where can people find the great work you're doing, not just with CFC, but the other writing that you do? So I have a Facebook page, which is just my name, Joshua Denton. So you're, feel free to you know, like and follow me there. And then on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Josh Denton, and you can follow me on Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you for the work you do with CFC. Thank you for the work that you're doing to tie together both our military history and religious liberty. And we'll definitely have you on the show again. I I promise we won't wait this long next time. (laughs) But, hey, have a very happy Memorial Day, folks. We'll be back here in just a few minutes on Life, Family, Liberty. Folks, welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty, a radio show and podcast for California Family Council. We just have a short amount of time left in this show today. We've had a great show, but I wanted to close with some words from President Ronald Reagan, our 40th president, and let him talk a little bit about 
uh, the meaning of Memorial Day and why it's so important. Sometime back I received in the name of our country the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. Folks, that's what Memorial Day is really all about. It's about those people who have laid down their lives. And as Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And I think that's what we should remember today. So from all of us at California Family Council, thank you to those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And we will be back with you next week here on Life, Family, Liberty, a radio show and podcast from California Family Council. Happy Memorial Day and God bless America.